is ready. The fields are white for harvest. Now, we know that Jesus is using a farming uh, language, vocabulary, but he's talking about something else, isn't he? We know this, especially if you've been in church for a while, you know the Christian lingo, you know, yes, harvest is ready. You might be getting excited already as you, as you uh, read this and you hear this scripture, and you probably studied about this and heard sermons about it. Um, but I really want to focus on Jesus' words to his disciples and this invitation that, he's, that he gives them, lift up your eyes, open your eyes. I have a question for you guys. How many of you have ever noticed how beautiful the tarmac is? No? No, okay. Sometimes. Now, I'm colorblind, okay? And that wasn't really an issue until this Christmas when my wife gave me these glasses as my Christmas present. Angela gave me these, okay? Now, I'd never, I know that I'd see things a little bit differently than other people, you know, because, you know, you're colorblind, so you get your colors mixed up. But I put these on when, when she gave them for me for Christmas. I was like, no, seriously, that can't be true. And I put these on, and I was like looking out the window, and I was like, the tarmac! The tarmac is just amazing! It's like, it's not the same color as the pavement. Did you know that? The tarmac is not the same color as the pavement and the brick walls. It's different. It's like deep, intense gray, and there's like, I could see the yellow lines, the writing, and then as I'm looking out the window, the bus comes, and I'm like, whoa, the bus is red. Like, seriously, man? And the seat at the bus stop is orange, like really orange. And I could see behind the bus stop, I could see the, the, the fence is brown, and the grass is so green that just reminded me of... Uh, um, uh, Willy Wonka wanted to eat the grass, you know, and I was like, and the, the, the bins, the recycling bins, the lids are so blue. I was like, wow. And, the, and, and you know, Angela and, and the others, they were like, yes, the world is colorful. And I was like, do you not see it? I was like, no. Like, for me, everything is a, a little bit, you know, it's the same kind of Blah. You know, it's just like a shade of, of gray. I can see, and I do see colors, but when I put these on, and you know what's funny is I've not been out with these glasses. It's like there's something in me that's almost scared to venture outside and, and see, and it's just because I forget, to be honest. Uh, but it's like, wow, now it's, my eyes have been opened to this world this, of colors, and it's just so exciting. And I, and that's the first thing that I noticed, the tarmac. Wow, it's so beautiful. I couldn't believe it. But there's something um, about, something quite fascinating about how we see things um, and how we perceive reality that can be different to what other people see and what is actually truth out there. Uh, my brother in 2011 was really ill. Uh, he had a brain tumor. And he, was, uh, he went to surgery, successfully removed, went into therapy, radiotherapy and uh, physiotherapy. And over the years, uh, he had different uh, things that, that came out of, of uh, as side effects and even treatment, side effects of treatment. And one of these side effects is uh, that he started to seem double. And you could see in his face, he'd be talking to you and he'd go, whoa. 
you know, it, was, it scared him because it, was, it wasn't a constant thing, but all of a sudden he would see double. So he went to the opticians and he did some tests and what glasses could fix this. And he ended up having these uh, interesting looking glasses that, you know, they're not just uh, for short sight and, and that kind of stuff, but they were round, they had a grid in them, and they were f fixing, kind of fixing the problem. Uh, but it wasn't really fixed. Um, and he went to see some uh, neurologists and uh, brain um, uh, specialists. And actually, what they figured out is that it was nothing to do with his eyes. The problem was not in his eyes, but it was up here. It was a brain problem. Uh, so they switched treatment. Does not wear the glasses. The medication is addressing the problem up here that was affecting his eyesight. And if I can draw uh, a parallel between uh, my brother and I's experiences and our life as, as Christians, as, as spiritual beings, as, uh, as a, we have a soul, a heart, and a mind, a spirit, and sometimes what we experience uh, in our minds, uh, in our soul, the things that we've been through, uh, maybe a little bit of damage can affect the way that we see things or not see things. And maybe some of us end up seeing uh, a distorted version of what truth is and what God wants us to actually see. Uh, and maybe some of us end up, like me, a little bit colorblind. You know, we see things, we see the truth, and, 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 uh, and we, we go about our lives, but it's a little bit, ah, it's a little bit shades of gray. When God wants us to see his invitation today that I really think is for us, is to open our eyes, see what I see, see the way that God sees. So Jesus said, to the disciples, open your eyes. Meanwhile, so what happened just before that is so important, that provides context to the words of Jesus? If you go, look into, in your Bibles, chapter 4, John chapter 4, you might see the title, The Woman at the Well, the Samaritan, Jesus and the Samaritan Woman. Now, if you've been in church a long time, uh, if you go to Sunday school, you'll know this story. If you don't know this story, basically what happens is Jesus uh, is going around with his disciples, and he says, I have to go to Samaria. Actually, he didn't have to go. And to be honest, nobody in Jesus' group wanted to go uh, because Samaria was not the place you would want to go if you're Jesus and his disciples. Jesus and his disciples are Jews, and Jews and Samaritans would not mix. Uh, they had political issues. They had religious issues between them. They had race issues. They did not like each other. They, uh, they were mean to each other. Uh, the Jews uh, had uh, probably nasty opinions of the Samaritans and vice versa. Anyway, you would not make a point of going into Samaria. But Jesus says, I have to go. Jesus had a purpose uh, to go and meet someone. And he goes into Samaria, he, he, he breaks boundaries, and he crosses over the border, and he goes into Samaria, and he meets this woman at a well. She's there with a bucket, okay? She's there to get water. And Jesus meets this woman, and he says, can I have a drink of water? And the first thing that she says, she notices that he's, he's a Jew. He says, why are you asking me for a drink of water? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't talk to each other. This is not appropriate. And Jesus says, well, if, if you knew who I was, 
you would, you'd, you'd be asking me for a drink of water. Now, I am sure that at this point, because this is Jesus, okay? This is, this is the Son of God, the Messiah. And, and, and I'm sure that as he spoke those words, something in her must have uh, said, okay, I'm in front of, this is not a normal guy. Something in her must have gone, okay, there's something more to this man. And yet the first thing that she says is, uh, I have a bucket and you don't. I'm sure she, she realized that he wasn't really talking about water, but that's the first thing that she says. Uh, I have a bucket. It's, it's a Louis Vuitton bucket or, or a Gucci bucket. I don't know if you can see it. You know, I've spent a lot of money on this bucket. She's the kind of woman that, that, that cares about appearances, that needs to keep up appearances. And, you know, and, and she probably goes into this mode. I don't know whether she's, uh, she automatically goes into flirting mode or defensive mode or argumentative mode, but she gets into this little debate with Jesus, an argument, and says, well, uh, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. We worship this way, you worship this way, and uh, you don't have a bucket, and I have a bucket. And, and Jesus just cuts through all of this nonsense. He sees right through her, and it, without judgment, without making her feel uh, guilty or, or anything less, he just cuts through the whole facade and the pretense, and he says, go and call your husband. I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five, and the guy that you hooked up with at the moment is not your husband. And... He doesn't expose her shame, but all of a sudden she's faced with ultimate truth and ultimate grace. And Jesus says, look, you might have a bucket, but it's full of rubbish. It's full of rubbish that you've, you know, you've dumped in uh, along the way with wrong choices in your life, uh, mistakes, sin. Uh, you, 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 you're thirsty for something, but you're looking for it in all the wrong places, and you're filling your bucket with junk and with the wrong water. And I'm here, and I'm saying, just throw out the rubbish. Just chuck it. You're an empty bucket. That's fine. I'm looking for empty buckets, and I'm here to fill it. I'm here to fill. I'm here to giving to to give life. The water that I give is life. And as, he, and as he speaks to her, and he just pours out grace and love and forgiveness because the next thing that she does, she leaves the bucket. The one thing that she was holding on to, you know, maybe as a, as a defense mechanism between her and this man that she's not sure about, the one thing that she's allowed to do, maybe the one thing that she felt she was good at, the only thing, she just leaves it and runs back into the city. And what does she say? She goes out and says that she goes and, 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 and talks to the men, which is interesting. You know, the men that maybe judged her, that maybe made her feel cheap, that maybe wanted her, the men that uh, ostracized her, she goes and talks to them. She's got this freedom, this confidence. She's been forgiven. She's been set free. And she says, come and see. Come and see. She's telling them, open your eyes. I've had my eyes open. I couldn't see. He was standing right in front of me, and I was talking about buckets and water, and I couldn't see it. But now I see his, his love and his grace and his forgiveness. He is the one that we've been looking for. He is the Messiah. Come and see. 
So this woman is leading all these guys that are walking behind her. It's like, what are you talking about? What do we have to come and see? And I have this picture in my head as, as you know, they're, they're, they're running towards the well. They're rushing this big crowd of guys and this woman. And maybe they're lifting up dust as they're walking uh, towards the well. Meanwhile, Jesus, he's having this little conversation with the disciples. And he's saying, look. Those guys coming towards us, the Samaritans that you hate, that you don't like, that despise you, that you don't want to have anything to do with, that you don't want to hang around with, that you disagree politically and religiously, that those guys that you want nothing to do with, look and open your eyes. The fields are wise, the harvest is ready. Amen. It's good. It's good stuff. And the disciples are baffled. We see Jesus interacting with this woman who is thirsty for the real thing. Next thing, we see Jesus interacting with the disciples who are talking about food. And this is, I think this is absolute comedy genius that we find in the Bible. The disciples, you know, they're, they're part of Jesus' crew. They're part of his group. They're in the in gang. You know, he's, he's called them to be fisher of men. You know, that's it. We're in. We're, we're you know, we're the lucky ones uh, that can hang out with the rabbi. Uh, and he's, he's called them to be change makers. And, and, and he sent them out. He says, in my name, you will do amazing things. And yet, they're, they're spending time with Jesus. And, and, they, uh, and they come up to him and say... Uh, Rabbi, we think you should eat something. I think what they're trying to say is, if he eats, then we can eat. And we're starving. And we're in a place where we don't want to be. And we want to take a break. Come on, teacher. Have something to eat. And Jesus says, I have something that satisfies me, that fills me up. My food is to do God's will, and you know nothing about. And the next thing is they're looking at each other, and they're like, did you bring him food? Did you bring, why didn't you? Why didn't you share? I didn't bring food. This scene that is really comical of the, the, the disciples is just baffled by Jesus. But what he's saying is, oh, open your eyes and see there's a life in God that fulfills you and sustains you. You're hungry. You're, looking, you, you're thinking about your bellies. But what I have is a life that satisfies way more. I have so much more for you. To the woman, he says, I have living water. To the disciple, says, I have food that sustains me, and that is to do God's will. Stephen Furtick says, the disciples were meal-minded, and Jesus was mission-minded. And I love that. The disciples were so, where's the next meal coming from? And what do we have to do? And they're worrying about it. And Jesus is doing God's will is what sustains me. Lift up your eyes, look. The harvest is ready. Really? The Samaritans? But we thought, we, we, you know, we thought we were in the group. You know, we thought we, we were going to go do amazing things. And what about going to Jerusalem or this town? Uh, what about, you know, uh, we have a reputation and now we've got status and, and positions. And Jesus is saying, look, these guys, 
the ready. That is your harvest. Just um, over a year ago, when, when we, uh, two years ago, or a year and a half ago, when we moved into the church and we, um, we were preparing things to open fresh ground, uh, I was walking back from the co-op uh, into, through the double doors. I think it was a Sunday. Uh, and I looked to the side here where the grasses and the, the bins are, and there was rubbish everywhere. And I was so annoyed because I cleaned it. I'm sure I'd cleaned it. Uh, and I don't know whether there's foxes or there's just people that love ripping our bags open. It happens a lot, doesn't it, Ben? Uh, all the rubbish was there, and I was like, oh, come on. And as I, as I was walking in through the double doors, there was a bit of, of wind that uh, kind of ushered all this rubbish behind me, and it was literally walking in with me. And I really felt a, a sense of God saying, I'm just going to blow all the rubbish to your doorsteps. And you're part of it, just in case, you know, you forget where you're coming from. I really felt an overwhelming sense of, ah, I'm saved by grace. I am nothing. I'm empty. I'm an empty bucket. And if it wasn't for God, where would I be? This week, I was talking to a guy here in the, in the cafe who's been in and out of prison. He's met God in prison. And, and I was saying... If, I, if God had not plucked me out of hell when I was a teenager, a 17, I have no idea where I would be. I had no idea where I would be. And I felt this, this sense of grace and, and mercy, and, and I felt like God was saying, and I'm you know, bringing more rubbish in. Are you ready? And I felt so spiritual. I said, yes, Jesus, I'm so ready. I'm ready to receive the rubbish. Just bring them in. And a week or two later, I was rushing to get Sophia to ballet. It's a Saturday morning, and I'm driving, you know, coming out of the, this driveway, the co-op. Um, and that, you guys have probably seen my car on the side. It's got a massive dent. Um, so basically what happened is I was coming out, and there's a guy in front of me with a beer can in his hands, staggering, as I'm trying to get out and you know, rush to, to ballet because we're gonna be late. And I was so annoyed. I was like, who drinks at 10 o'clock in the morning? Who is completely drunk at 10 o'clock in the morning? I was so annoyed by this guy. And basically, because he was going for the traffic lights and I thought, okay, I'm just, you know, either I'm gonna hit him or I'm just gonna turn really tight and rush and <laughs> completely crush the car. Um, and I really felt that God was saying, you want to, you, you talk about reaching out into this community, and you have full of such disdain uh, for this guy. You have no patience. Where's your compassion? Open your eyes. The harvest. And I tried to use this story to justify it to Angela, but it just didn't work. She still called me an idiot for crashing the car, which is fine. Um, and I never saw the guy again, uh, or maybe I did. I didn't recognize him, but I, I saw someone else uh, sitting on the bench drinking. 
And I felt like, okay, I'm going to go and talk to him. And we, we talked for a long time. We swapped life stories, and I prayed with him at the end. And it wasn't because, oh, I felt so guilty that I, didn't, that I, that I was so impatient and so full of disdain for this person. It, when God opens our eyes, when God moves and brings that life into our empty buckets, we move into, into it, and, it, and it's life-giving. And it was great for me to pray with this, with this man. It was just as uh, life-giving for me. And that's what happens. We don't move out of guilt or condemnation. Oh, I have to be nice. It's when God moves, it is that life-giving. The more that we give out, the more life that God pours into us. The harvest. Open your eyes. I've checked. Well, I, I told Marta that I was going to talk about her a little bit today, and I hope you don't mind me saying this. It's too late. <laughs> Marta is from the north of Italy. I'm from the south of Italy. We don't like each other, okay? <laughs> we... We have assumptions about each other. You should hear the jokes that they t tell about us in the North. And she told us some. They're horrible. They're, seriously, they're horrible. But we met, we kind of met at the school gates, because our kids go to the same, uh, they're in the same class. Uh, and it, we kind of clocked, oh, you're Italian, yeah, I'm Italian. Oh, nice, where are you from? From the North, I'm from the South. Okay. <laughs> and that was it. For, for probably more than a year, it was just like, hi, bye, you know, two years, never spoke to each other. But there was that, we've said to each other, we didn't like you, and she said, I didn't like you. You know, we, we thought, oh, look at this woman from the north, she probably has loads of money, and look at her big curly hair, and she probably thought, look at this short Sicilians bringing mafia everywhere. There's, we, seriously, Almost every week we'd see each other at the school gates, but it was like, I'm going to keep her distance, okay? Then one afternoon, I'm in Lidl, and in walks Marta. And I'm like, oh, hi, hi, how are you? You know, you have to be polite. You have to be like, how's it going? And it was two years to the, the, this week, Friday, last Friday, two years to this week. And all of a sudden, Jesus just breaks through all our facade, all our masks, all our pretense. And all of a sudden, paraphrasing, she says, I'm an empty bucket. And I say, it's fine. I'm an empty bucket. My wife's an empty bucket. If you come, I'll introduce you to a bunch of people who are empty buckets. And it's fine, but we found Jesus. And he's filled our empty buckets in two years and yesterday in the car, Marta was saying, if I had not met you in Lidl and, and the people in this church that have welcomed me into their home, they've come to my house, they've helped me in so many ways, my life, I don't know where I would be. I don't know where, how my life would have ended up. And the harvest is ready. Open your eyes. There was part of me in Lidl, and I've done this before. Oh, man. Quick, quick, quick. <laughs> before they see you. But God gives us those opportunities, and he says, open your eyes. 
The harvest is ready. Christmas week, there's kids throwing eggs at our front door. And the, my reaction, I was so, mm, I took my phone out. I was like, <laughs> got a picture of you. And he, he legged it. And I was like, great, I've got a picture of you. I'm going to report you to the egg police. And I, was, I don't know why. That was my first reaction. You're on camera. And I was so angry because now, you know, I had to go out and clean it. So, and I, but as I'm getting the bleach and the uh, buckets, whatever, I got some leaflets, um, the invitation to a youth cafe, and I was like, I'm going to go out there, and I'm just going to say, look, man, come, we'd love to meet you, no worries, you know, forgiven, and I didn't find him. Um, but things, you know, we, we've opened, we open the doors of fresh ground every week, we, we do things like youth cafe, we put on events, we invite, because Jesus says, look, open your eyes. And, and, and then we see the, the kids hanging out on their bikes and smoking weed at the back or, or climbing up on the bus stop and uh, legging it, effing and blinding when we're chasing them. You're on CCTV camera. <laughs> but we never do anything with that. But then this, this invitation that Jesus says, open your eyes and see what I see. In the first instance is see yourself through the eyes of Jesus. And you might see an empty bucket or a bucket full of rubbish, nothing. And Jesus is something worth giving up his life on the cross for. He says, I love you. Let me pour in my life. Let me pour in my forgiveness, my love, my mercy, my spirit, my gifts, my freedom. And then he says, open up your eyes and look. The harvest is ready. See what I see. And I wonder, what is God inviting you to look and see? What is God, what, what is sort of Jesus pointing to? What is the direction that he's pointing, that he's looking at, towards to in, in your life? Is it your family? Is it your neighbors? Is it, is it uh, the person you sit uh, next to on the train or on the bus as people at work? Is it people in another country? What is Jesus saying? Look. Open your eyes and see. Your first reaction, reaction might be, no, not those guys, not those people. But Jesus is saying, look with my eyes of compassion. Look with my, through my eyes of love and grace. And I want to finish just with a scripture that um, when, we, uh, when we started the year with the uh, three days of focus of prayer and fasting... Um, I wrote down on, uh, on these verses, and then I, and I felt, oh, this is really cool. I really feel this is for us as a church, and I completely forgot about it. But it's great to be here today, and, and I really feel um, that this is something for us. Uh, and it's uh, the last chapter of Hosea, and what, as I was reading this, uh, these verses, this was on the Thursday evening uh, of our prayer and fast at the beginning of January, uh, I replaced the word Israel with the Eltham, Eltham Green Church uh, and the word Ephraim with Eltham. Uh, but you can do that with your own name, uh, your family, your workplace, uh, your church if you're from a different church. Um, 
I really feel that this was, was for us as a church, but I believe that God can speak to, to each and every one of us today. And in Hosea, it says, I will make a fresh start with the church in Eltham. They will burst into bloom like a crocus in the spring. Crocus is colorful, multicolored flowers. They will put down deep oak tree roots. They'll become a forest of oaks. Oaks, a sign of strength, solid. They'll become splendid like a giant sequoia and their fragrance like a grove of cedars. These are uh, trees and woods that give out an aroma and a fragrance they will draw people. Those who live near them will be blessed by them. Be blessed and prosper like golden grain. Everyone will be talking about them, spreading the fame as the vintage children of God. Eltham is finished with gods. There are no gods. From now on, I'm the one who answers and satisfies them. I am like a luxurious fruit tree, and everything they need is to be found in me. I really believe that God wants to do, make a fresh start in us. We're almost towards the end of January, and we've probably run out of money and uh, given up on our New Year resolutions. But God says that I want to make something, a fresh start in you. I want you to open your eyes and see what I see when I look at you. I want you to open your eyes and look at the world the way that I see the world, with my eyes of love and compassion. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tana. It'd be good just to 